all right all right all right day 163 welcome back to the windows and mirrors podcast my name is keith and remember this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the bible is more like a window than it is a mirror we come to it to see through it and to see god not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves all right so we're in the thick of second chronicles and remember we're still in this period um in second chronicles where he's talking about the divided monarchy from his perspective remember the people of god split between israel and judah and here the chronicler is going to give us his perspective listen solely on the southern kings solely on judah he's not going to talk about israel except uh, when he wants to contrast, but here he he's primarily talking about these southern kings because God was still going to work through this line even after the exile, the community he was writing to, and so we're introduced here to this guy Jehoram, Jehoram, thirty-two when he becomes king, reigns eight years. Now he is um a wicked king, and when he ascends the throne, he does something sinister. <laughs> he establishes himself, and then he goes and kills all of his brothers. He goes and kills all of his brothers. And not that, listen, he goes, not only that, he kills um, the princes in Israel. So so he's just a murderer, right? And what the Bible is doing, it's not being prescriptive. It's just being descriptive. It's just describing the way things happen for a particular reason. But what it shows us is the power of power to make us insecure. There is an inherent power in power that can make us insecure about power when you're hungry for prominence you perceive everybody is a threat everybody is a threat to your power and your prominence when you're hungry for it, when you're lusting after it and the crazy thing is is that the inheritance in the kingship was his why because he was the firstborn in that society if you were the firstborn of your father the kingship that your father had was passed down to you right but he's insecure about it and the rest of his reign is just bad. <laughs> like there's no other words for it. The rest of his reign is bad. He does he does what is evil in God's sight. And notice he's not even contrasted with David. He is contrasted with the kings of Israel. Right. He he walks in the way of his father in law, Ahab. Now here what happens is this. He marries Ahab's wife or excuse me, Ahab's um daughter. Right. So he marries Ahab's daughter. So Ahab is his father in law. Remember Ahab and Jezebel, they were the uh, apostates, uh, king and his wife and the northern kingdom who led the northern kingdom basically away from the Lord and into idolatry and apostasy. And so he marries his daughter. <laughs> wild. So he marries his daughter. And so uh, he's he's just acting wild. He's he's leading the people into sin, leading them to prostitute themselves with other gods. And so uh, it's just bad for him. But I love what the text is going to say in verse seven of twenty one. It says, but for the sake of the covenant, <laughs> the Lord had made with David. He was unwilling to destroy the house of David since the Lord had promised to give a lamp to David and to his sons forever. We see the gracious fingerprints of God, even in the dirty hands of his wicked people right even in the dirty works of his wicked people we still see the gracious fingerprints of god god is is still kind but judgment is still coming elijah comes and speaks a word of judgment he sends a letter to my man that says no not only did you process sell, uh, prostitute yourself with other guys you you led the the inhabitants of judah to do so as well remember as the king goes the people 
goes. And so therefore Edom and Libna, they come and they're uh, Israel's enemies in this time. And they come and they wash uh, Judah, the southern kingdom. And remember, at this time, warfare and religion was tied together. Warfare and religion was very much tied together. And so this was a uh, punishment for the sins and the idolatry of God's people. And they lose the battle. Right. They lose the battle and he gets sick. He gets this sickness in his, in his intestines and he dies. But you see that the Lord is still long suffering and preserves the line. And so um, the people uh, who are hearing this, the the early community that is hearing this uh, would have would have had to understand that this is a warning uh, of, of what turning away from the Lord would be like, but also uh, comforting to know that uh, God is still working through his people. and He is a long suffering God. So he has a son. He dies. He has a son named Ahaziah. Right. And his mother, remember his mother, Ahaziah's, his mother was Athaliah. His, his mother was Athaliah. And that is Ahab's daughter. Right. Keep that in the back of your mind. So Ahaziah comes and he's bad, too. He's he, he's not a good guy as well. Um, But it's interesting that the text is going to say that, um, you know, he was given evil advice by his mom. Right. And the advice he received, advice uh, from the house of Ahab, remember he grew up in the, the Ahab household, uh, was also from his advisors. So basically, you know how somebody say, um, you know, uh, you was taught right from wrong growing up. You you were raised in a good household. You you were you were uh, raised the right way. He was he was not raised the right way. <laughs> like he did not grow up in a godly household. And so what Ahaziah does, he's this king in Judah and he links up with Joram. He's the king in Israel. And they try to form this coalition to fight against the king of Aram. But verse seven is clear about the Lord's um, uh, opinion uh, or how the Lord felt about Ahaziah. It says Ahaziah's downfall came from God. Verse, two, uh, uh, verse 22, verse seven, chapter 22, verse seven. Um, when he went to Joram, when Ahaziah arrived, he went out with Joram to meet Jehu, son of Nimshi, whom the Lord had anointed to destroy the house of Ahab. The issue, the problem is that remember Jehu was the one anointed to destroy Ahab's house. And because Ahaziah technically, through his mama's line, is from Ahab's house, he would be done away with as well. His very, the very commander of the one he went to see is the one who takes him out, right? He was the one chosen by God to take out the house of Ahab. And we don't have time right now to go into um, what that looks like and, and, and why God did that. But um, you can look and uh, listen to First Kings, or the end of First Kings, where we talked about that reality but his mother athalia who was again from the line of ahab uh kills all of the royal heirs so basically this is what happens athalia is ahaziah's mother now ahaziah dies <laughs> he dies and basically she kills all of her grandchildren right but but god is so gracious because his uh ahaziah's sister her daughter um comes and saves ahaziah's youngest son her nephew joash from the massacre right so she's massacring all these kids and um ahaziah's sister comes and saves joash one little one year old and it seems as if as she's killing these kids you can only imagine it seems as if god's promises are on the brink of extinction it seems as if listen he made these promises to keep david's line going it seems as if david's line will be done away with but God's promises are too elusive and too eternal to be thwarted by human sinfulness, right? Thwarted by human sinfulness. And so um, I love it. But it also, there's so many uh, like um, 
biblical connections here because you think about the, the the slaughtering of infants and how that has played a significant role in redemptive history right you think about um even in the exodus where where the hebrew boys uh the pharaoh was like yo kill them all because we don't want them to grow anymore we want to do away with these cats they're starting to grow and they're starting to be fruitful and multiply exodus one and uh he's like kill them all but moses <laughs> was the one preserved and then you go to fast forward to the new t uh where jesus the christ is is um one of a uh, baby and herod is like kill all the kids you know kill them and Jesus has to flee with his family to Egypt. And so you see uh, the baby being preserved there. And so you see the Lord just doing the same thing over and over. But he's so creative that he does it in different ways. John o says that all the time. Um, and, and what the chronicler is doing on a macro level, he is not absolving the southern kingdom from any guilt and hiding their flaws. Remember, he's pro-Judah. He, he wants to show that God is working through this line. But he is subtly and sometimes clearly trying to show that it was from the influence and infiltration of apostasy in the north. And from the north, that led to the downfall of the south as well. So in 23, Athaliah is uh, Ahaziah's mom. She she kills all the kids and she usurps the throne. She usurps the throne after her son dies. And following this, though, we have um, this guy, by God's grace, named Jehoiada, who is a priest. Now, he is the husband of Jehoshabeth. Now, Jehoshabeth was Ahaziah's sister that saved Joash. I hope you can follow me here. If you need to run it back, you can keep running back. You got to look carefully at the text for some of this stuff. Uh, a lot of names here. But she saved baby Joash. And so Jehoiada, basically Joash's uh, uncle, right, he basically assembles all of the people of the ruling body to anoint his nephew um, as king. Right. And they did as as they arranged this, they arranged a covenant with God at the temple All the priests and the Levites and the leaders came surrounded Joash and they coronated and inaugurated his kingship. And they also gave him a copy of the law proceeds uh, as he proceeded from the temple. They restored the Davidic line to his rightful prominence and purity. They're being faithful. <laughs> They're being faithful. The Chronicles like, no, no, no. They had their priorities in order to be. They had their priorities in order. Law, kingship, worship. Remember that. Those are the three priorities of the post-exile community that he was trying to, uh, that the chronicler wants the post-exile community to get. So he's like, yo, Jehoiada was on that. He was he was, he was, was doing what he needed to do. So Athalia uh, basically dies. She, 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 she pulls up. She's overthrown by the commanders and by Jehoiada and all the um, armies. And so, um, you know, Ath Athalia only reigned for a few years. And guess what? She is not even given a summary. <laughs> Now, notice the other kings are giving summaries, right? She, They are giving summaries about the reigns. Athali is not. Why? Because she uh, usurped the throne and it delegitimizes her reign in the narrative. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to show like, yo, she wasn't even a legit king. She reigned for a little while, but she did it in a sinister way. She came. Uh, she was not supposed to inherit the kingdom. And so um, Jehoiada is going to lead this uh, religious reform um, where they commit themselves. The people commit themselves to be the Lord's people. Again, we have, in, we have this uh, idea of an ideal Israel being united and uh, oriented around together the proper worship, proper administration of the law and unity and inner working of the priestly line, the kingly line, the whole nine yards. And so uh, what, what, what the Chronicle wants is to be a unified community around the right things, not the wrong things, not wickedness, right? But righteousness around the things that God has called them to in the law. So he is a bright spot in this dark History. Now, 2 Chronicles 24 moves on to Joash. Joash was in the background. He's a baby. <laughs> in 23, here he's uh, seven. He starts his reign at seven years old. Amen. Uh, um, praise God for him. Reigns 40 years. Then the text says, I love it. Text is so subtle. It says, uh, throughout the time of the priest Jehoiada, Joash did what was right in the Lord's sight. Did you hear that? Through only Jehoiada was, Jehoiada was his good guy. Led this reform. His aunt, all right? Aunt was a priest. He says, um, he did what was right during that time. In other words, the chapter will show us is that basically 
during that time he was fine but after that things weren't looking good for him right and i think we learned this that all people in all eras need sound biblical spiritual guidance and advice regardless of your position in society i don't care who you are you 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 need it there's never you never outgrow your need for it even joash right he's a king in israel right or in judah and so um you know, while Jehoiada was alive, he was killing it. He was he was doing his thing. He was that dude. He was he was you know calling for repairs of the temple, telling the people, God, yo, bring your silver, da da da. Let's get this right. Boom boom boom. You know, he attended. He was attendant to the rightful worship of God, and and you see how he the slippage. <laughs> you see the slippage once Jehoiada dies. And when Jehoiada dies, he started listening to other people. I love what the text says. He starts hearing other voices, right? There's other voices trying to stray you from the work God has called you to in his kingdom. I want you to be mindful of that. And this led to idolatry and an abandonment of the temple and the God of the temple, right? So, so much so that he just becomes wild. He's a wild boy after this. He, he kills Zechariah. Zechariah is Jehoiada's son. He kills him. Jehoiada helped you, big bro. He basically... Like in a way, he saved your life. He said he, he saved the kingdom through you and you kill his son. Think about how unjust that is. And so the Arameans invade the kingdom and it leads to his death. And I think we just learned man, how we start is no indication of how we will finish. We should all desire not to just start fast in our walk, but finish well. Right. That should be the goal for us. The, the community that would be hearing this would hear this warning uh, that they should pay attention to the prophetic word. Be submissive to the teaching of the priests and establish the Davidic throne that was tied to the temple. And that was to be the top priority on the backside of the cross. That's as Christians. That's those listening to this podcast and those living now failure to heed the words of scripture and the slippage of our worship. Check this leads us in places that God never intended for us to be. May we learn from the mistakes of our ancestors so that we don't pay similar prices let's pray father we ask for your grace and your mercy and your kindness we pray that you would help us to live in a way that honors you today i pray that our worship wouldn't slip in our hearts for you wouldn't either so in jesus name we pray amen